Uh, hello, this is Robert Rickover. I'm an Alexander Technique teacher uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska. I also teach in Toronto, Canada, and uh, these days pretty much entirely online. My guest today is Penelope Easton. Now, she's an Alexander Technique teacher in County Clare, Ireland. She uh, originally uh, trained in zoology at uh, Cambridge University. She then became an Alexander Technique teacher in, in London. And then she, uh, she worked with Margaret Goldie, also known as Miss Goldie, uh, one of Alexander's early assistants and, and close confidants, so to speak, uh, for four years. And that, that experience set her off on a 30-year journey to understand what Miss Goldie was all about, because she was teaching in quite a different way than other Alexander teachers at, at that time, or even today. And she, uh, Penelope's written a book about her, her um, experience with Miss Goldie called The Alexander Technique, 12 Fundamentals of Integrated Movement. I'll put a link to Penelope's website by the interview. You can learn how to get that book and learn more about her connection with Margaret Goldie. After all that, welcome to the show, Penelope. Thank you, Robert. Hello. You're again. doing a series of interviews on interrelated topics. And today we're going to talk a little bit about an Alexander teacher living in France, I guess he is French, he, uh, Jean Do Massaero, who trained to be an Alexander Technique teacher in London at some point. I don't, I don't know exactly yeah. when, but he's been kind of a leading person in um, sort of discovering what Alexander's early teaching actually was and what was influencing him we've talked a little bit about this in previous uh, 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 conversations. Um, and maybe um, you could say a little bit about what, what his approach to the, he, he teaches something called the initial, uh, what is he, yeah, is it the initial yeah. Alexander technique? And yes. by that he means, I presume, that he is teaching in the way that Alexander taught before Alexander started using hands-on work. Yes. And yes. anyone who's experienced that, as we both have, you, I think, probably more than me, uh, are, it's pretty striking that that's an incredibly different approach to the technique to, than most of us are used to. Do you want to say a little bit about it and the, the pulls, the internal uh, yeah. tractions and so forth? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to start by referencing back to my lessons with Ms. Goldie because um, you know, I, I I wrote a my little booklet before I wrote the um, the, the book. But right. So back, right. In, back in 2004, I wrote my booklet just just about my lessons with Miss Goldie, just to to do do a record of them. Right. And in that, I found myself writing that Miss Goldie had a very different model of the body to anything I'd encountered before. Mm -hmm. She, you know, everybody else was taking my shoulders back. She was taking them forwards and mm -hmm. she was somehow putting me in different places. She was arranging me quite differently 
She got different muscles working and she was forever tapping me in my, the top of my hips and my ribs, and hips and ribs and hips and ribs. She was working on my torso all the time and twisting my limbs in a way that say nobody had ever done before. And the result was very different. And I initially tried to ex sort of got there a bit by breathing, but using the natural breathing methods of just breathe out and let the body show me. Um, and certainly discovered a lot about the strong back because she was all about, again, really finding your strong back. Um, found out through breathing. But just after we moved to Ireland in, in 2005, I fell really ill and I was pretty well bedridden for a year and a year and a quarter. And I lost a lot of strength. I was very curled over. Um, couldn't think directions or anything during that time because everything hurt, even thinking. Um, and it took some time, some years to recover from that, as I'm sure you can imagine, to build up strength again. And um, so I was using the thinking processes that she showed me, which she told me were all I needed. And so I kept waiting to find the strength again, because she built this such this strong integrated frame in me. And I kept thinking, well, surely if I just use her thinking processes, that will come again. And it never did. And I began to think, I think I'm missing something here. And that's when I discovered Jando, because he also had been asking the question right from the beginning, how did Alexander develop the technique? How did he, how did he do it for himself? Only he was asking, how do we get the strong pulls that we need? Because, I mean, he must have had, I don't know, tight shoulders and you know, a, a tight back. We certainly know that he had tightness around his throat. Um, you know, and just just sending a direction isn't enough. Um, if we go to a teacher, they give us a strong pull. They take the elbow and they, they pull out that shoulder for us. And they give it a strong directional pull that is apparently more than we can do for ourselves. And Jando said, Alexander must have done that for himself. And we don't really know what Del Sart was doing, but um, Jando's guessing that he must have been doing these pulls for himself and that Alexander must somehow have learned to use these pulls. Mm -hmm. And so he's developed this series of pulls that bring the body onto the alignment. The, um, he's really into biomechanics as well. And of course, biomechanics is about balancing the loads of the body so that gravity really is carried smoothly down. And you know, Alexander talks a lot in his first books about bringing the parts of the torso into the proper relationship with each other. Mm -hmm. But for most people, that this is too far back and the, the lower right. body is too far forwards and, you know, right. the head's somewhere else. And you've got, to, you've got to bring, but particularly the parts of the torso, the, the, the pelvis and the, the tummy and the, the ribs and the, and the shoulders, you've got to bring them back into alignment. Um, and that's what these pulls are designed to do. And so I took my first lesson with Jando. Um, I first heard about him by listening to the interviews you did. Um, they, were, they were brilliant. So I took a lesson with him. And it was hilarious, actually, because all the way through the lesson, which was really weird, you know, he was getting into yeah. myself. <laughs> it's definitely <laughs> weird. Yeah. I'm not what you're used to because you're used right. to this gentle touch and you don't do anything for yourself and, right. and yeah. here he was getting me to do these strong pulls and he was saying to me and of course you'll reject me 
because all senior teachers reject me, every senior teacher has walked out on me, and you'll do the same. He <laughs> was setting yes. me up to reject him. And there was a part of my head that would have actually done that because it just right. felt so weird and wrong and not Alexander. And then I realized that he was, he was working with Paul to the elbow, that he was taking my shoulder and my elbow and my arm and my upper body into this really strange placement that Colby did. And that by the end of the lesson, even though I felt like a guardsman, um, I actually felt like I'd had a lesson from Miss Goldie that he'd, and I thought, my goodness, this is, this is what I've been missing. And then, you know, with time, I discovered why she was doing these tapping to the, to the hips and tapping to the costal arch and so on. Um, so I really do believe that Jando has stumbled upon what Alexander was originally doing, because it was what Miss Goldie was doing for me. Even if she wasn't teaching me how to do it for myself, which she wasn't, um, and neither, I suspect, in a sense, was she taught how to do it for herself in the sort of explicit way, um, because Jando brings it to um, anatomy, I've then put um, the, the, the functional anatomy to that, the muscle train, do you know, Thomas Myers and not the mm -hmm. muscle train. Right. So I've, I've really worked out, I've worked out the muscle trains that then go with this. So, you know, what are the, the kinetic chains, the myofascial links that we are stretching out mm -hmm. in, in, these, in these pulls? And they make total sense and they rebalance the torso into that physical alignment. Jando calls it body geometry. Mm -hmm. Alexander has a very precise body geometry, which doesn't change. Mm -hmm. And if you look at that picture of the, you know, that picture of the first training course, where yes. they're standing there, um, holding their glass of champagne, they're in some, um, they're, they're some end of term party. Right. Very yeah. first training course. And they're all standing in this beautiful, elegant, uh, poised posture with their backs straight and their, their, their chests are straight and Everything is straight up and down. The heads are slightly forward of the body. It's very different the, to the standard idea of correct posture in which mm -hmm. the head is supposed to be over the body and the shoulders are supposed to be back and the chest is supposed to be a bit raised and there's a lumbar arch. And of course, if we take that to extremes, we know that that's not Alexander. But I think we've got the muddled in our heads. Um, and Jando really has identified what Alexander was doing, which again, he didn't, because I think probably because he didn't talk about the Del Sart link. You know, I suspect Del Sart said a lot of this stuff quite explicitly. But Alexander be, yeah. didn't, yeah. didn't, didn't ever mention Del Sart beyond a certain point, because I think, and we haven't said this up till now, but I think when he arrived in London, he couldn't say, well, I've done a bit of Del Sart and a bit of this and a bit of that, and I've put it together and he had to say, this is me, and, and this is my technique. And so I think he told close friends that he'd, he'd done some Del Sart, but that was it. And I think Carrington knew, and the, the, he certainly told uh, some philosopher or other that he was working with that he'd Del Sart and Dewey were his two greatest influences. That's in Murray's book. Um, right. But he, he just, you know, he doesn't say what he's done because he has to present us he has to present as the self-made man because that's the myth he's, he's creating um, for himself. He's, he's very much somebody who creates an image, isn't he? A 
I think yeah, uh, right. again, Michael Bloch's biography really makes that point. Right, absolutely. Yeah. He invents yeah. himself and he reinvents himself. So, but yeah. I think as kind of um, uh, maybe just a, an overview of that, what he is doing is getting you to change relationships within your torso explicitly. Yeah. And that is not something that is generally part of Alexander teaching. Big emphasis on the head-neck relationship, maybe movement within the torso around breathing, for example. Uh, but to actually change the ge geometry of, of the torso, it's not really in standard Alexander and it's kind. Of, it's just as an interesting aside. Um, there is so there. I think in the Alex in the Alexander world, the torso is seen as kind of a unit, and as is the head, a unit. Like it's a a thing that doesn't have a lot of internal stuff that you'd want to change, but for both of them for very different reasons that's just completely wrong with the head i mean we know now that the, you know these bones in your head move and there there's a whole field of cranial sacral stuff that deals with that the head is not like a bowling ball it's got a lot of moving parts some of them very subtle and mm -hmm. the torso itself has uh, the potential for internal rearrangements that can be quite beneficial. Absolutely. And, it's, you know, again, I was talking um, before about the transitions he made from going from being a, a natural elocution teacher to um, working through to developing what we now would recognize as Alexander's technique. But it didn't stop there in 1911, did it? It carried on. And in a sense, his books give the three levels. So you've got in, in Man Supreme Inheritance, it's still all about the torso. This is the original MSI. And, and as exemplified by those photographs of uh, a man and a woman and the proper way to stand, where there are no heads, <laughs> which is pretty telling. And if you, if you read MSI with that mindset, you yeah. actually start to see things that you don't see if you read it only from the use of the self mindset. Right. Um, for, there's one point where he says, if there's anything wrong with the neck, you have to look to the torso for the reason. Mm -hmm. And um, right. it's a longer quote than that, obviously. Yeah. But, um, but that's the basis of it. The, the, the reason for a problem with the neck is always further down in the torso. And then there's another point where he says, Actually, you really need the feet and the legs to providing the secure base for the torso. So he's really interested in the body. And he talks over and over again about the organs and bringing mm -hmm. the organs back into place. And mm -hmm. I know, I remember being really confused when I heard that Alexander in his early days was working on digestive stuff and hearts and thinking, you know, what's that got to do with the technique? Isn't mm -hmm. it just about shoulders and backs? Mm -hmm. But, you know, he, he was seeing that when you bring the, when the torso is in the wrong shape, say the back is really curved, then the tummy is bulging out and then the organs are in the wrong place and then they malfunction. You mm -hmm. get the parts of the torso in the right relationship to each other. That brings the, the guts back into the right place. 
and then they actually function better. So he's actually working on internal stuff for people by getting the parts of the torso right. And then yeah. he goes so, on. Yeah. yeah, go on. Well, so I think to, to, not to keep the interview reasonable, a reasonable length, probably shouldn't talk too much more about it, but I think it would be useful and this may involve a little repetition, but the a question that that certainly comes into my mind when I from my experience with Jean Doe and from talking to him, that yes, he's he's discovered something that Alexander probably did in his early teaching days, and that's quite different from Alexander teaching today. But the, the basic question I have is, why is that better than Alexander teaching today, which has evolved quite a bit since Alexander's death, for sure. We have certainly in the area of self-directing technology, if you want to call it, there have been just huge changes that are very powerful and can be very effectively used online, for example, or in person. So why go back to this early stuff? Okay, yes, thank That's, you. I was, I, was moving, I was moving the thread of it, absolutely. So what, just to skip forward from man's supreme inheritance, then it was constructive conscious control, we skip that bit, and go straight to use of the self. Yeah. Which is, you know, 1932. Now he started in 1893. So that's like 50, 40, 40 years on. Right. And it's all become about the head because Magnus came along and, and talked about primary control and he discovered primary control. And then he, he was really excited. The head leads the body into movement. And so he comes up with this head neck back relationship as it. And as you say, in the head neck back relationship, he's assuming the torso is a piece. And so the idea of the relationships within the torso are gone. He's just getting the back to move, the whole torso to follow the head as a piece. The head is a piece, the neck's a piece, the torso is a piece. And so all the beautiful directions that have come out of that, in a sense, you know, I think they stem from that point, let the neck be free, let the head go forward and that back lengthen and widen. And there's all sorts of wonderful directions. Um, but they're, they're, they're based on thinking and Jando's work is, it's more doing, isn't it? It's very doing. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's like the, the, the new stuff, it's more like I was after that illness going, well, you know, if I just send enough directions, I'm going to find my strength, won't I? But you don't. Because, um, you know, if there's deep tensions, if, if something's just, it's a bit like, you know, there's almost two sorts of pupils. The one who's in a droopy, a pupil comes and they're in a droopy state. You remember those mm -hmm. days when you put hands and you put hands on that person and they just come up. Right. And all you've got to do is teach them how to keep that and they're done and it can be done really fast. And then the next people who comes in, they're in the same state and you put hands on and nothing happens because they're stuck in that place. The, the tissues have really sort of shrunk and constricted and compacted and everything is really, really tight. And it takes a lot, a lot, a lot of work to open it back out again. And it's that that Jando's work is more getting at. So say the pull to the elbow, um, you know, just demonstrate, I'm going to just push my own elbow. Now I can push it out um, and I can bring it forwards and I can bring it down. 
And then I can actually do that for myself. And I'm putting actually quite the strong pull. If you try that, you just send your own elbow out and forwards and down. You're putting a strong pull all the way across the back and you're opening out your back mm-hmm. and you're stretching out the extensions. Now, you know, you can do both together. You just send those elbows out to the side as if there's a string on each one and they're pulling out, but you're actually, you're both doing, but yet not doing because you're not sort of just, you know, shoving at it. You're, you're somehow allowing this and, and creating, but it's real work going on. You're tractioning your own arm. And if I do that, I can still feel the biceps tractioning. I can feel some tractioning happening across the shoulders. And I'm pulling out those, you know, I've been doing these for years now and I've still got, because, you know, we've all got deep tensions in here. I'm still tractioning out those deep tensions in there. So it's, it's getting in there to a much deeper level, I think. And the reason you can do this is the pulls are precise. They are totally precise to the anatomy. So you've got to get the directions of them right. And this is where, you know, you do need to be directing your pupil, whether it's across the room or, um, you know, across online, but you're really watching that the pupil is taking those directions in the right way because, you know, very often they'll try and do that. And can you see the shoulders Right, up? sure, yeah. So, you know, yeah. You're really making sure, or they'll, or they'll do that, and the shoulder's going back. That's not going to do it. It's got to go out and forwards and down. So mm. you're really taking it precisely, and then you get that tractioning of what, you know, it's actually Myers' deep back arm line. And then you're tractioning out everything here. You're lifting the torso up off the lower back. You're doing all sorts of things. And what you're doing is you're awakening the natural elasticity of the musculature. Now that's because we want to get back to the springy. Um, and you know, what ages us? What makes us feel old? It's, it's that lack of spring, isn't it? When the body loses its springy tone and then it becomes heavy and then it becomes you know, stiff. And by doing these pulls, well, I don't know how you felt after you worked with Jando, but I can literally say I felt 40 years younger. Um, it's really returned my body to feeling like a teenager and jumping on and off things in a way I hadn't for years. Right. Well, I probably wasn't his best student, (laughs) I'm guessing. Uh, I did get some useful ideas from it that I doubt that he would approve of how I'm using those ideas, but he doesn't approve of really anyone except people. <laughs> well, whatever. But so I have got stuff, uh, some stuff out of it. Uh, and yeah, I find it really, um, and, and some of it I do teach. I'm not claiming to be an, a, any kind of expert in that approach to the work. But what you're saying is, okay, if you have someone that's really kind of gotten gotten stuck uh, it's going to be a lot faster improvement if they do those pulls and, and stretches. Yeah. And of course, uh, and Alexander, a lot of Alexander teachers will say, well, that's doing, and that's not the Alexander technique, but that particular doing is exactly what Alexander did and presumably taught for quite a few years. I think he did, you know, and I think the very first training course, we're doing a lot of it, even though it wasn't named, because the very first training course, they hadn't developed the hands-on method that McDonald and Madribalo and, and, and that group of four 
did develop um, in the third year of the training. The first three years of the training, they very much were working with his procedures, hands on back of chair. Well, what are you doing in hands on back of chair? You're doing a pull to the elbow. You're pulling. Yep. Pull to the wrist and then a pull to the knees. And yep. you yeah, are yeah. pulling, you know. And they did taking back in the chair, which is one nobody knows now, but Goldie did with me. And Madri Barlow once did it to me. And it's, again, it's very, very precise. The cigar box procedure, by goodness, Neil, you're working your back in the precise. And that's where the, you know, the tapping of the hips and the ribs comes in. You're really working all the obliques and the belly muscles and the psoas and the, you're working all the back muscles and the core muscles in that cigar box procedure. Monkey, the same. And they were having to do them for themselves over and over and over and over and over again. And those first teachers, they were so strong. You know, you had lessons from quite a few of them. Do you remember the strength of their hands? McDonald's mm -hmm. hands. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can remember one of his fingers going up my nostril one day. <laughs> he didn't care. You know, those fingers, they just communicated. Right. And, right. and you know, we couldn't do hands that powerful now without gripping. Mm -hmm. But they could. They could keep the full extension going while they brought in that power in the hands. And that's something that I don't think, I mean, I, I hate to generalize, but I think a lot of te modern teachers can't do, and it's certainly I couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and that's why the, the, the hands have become ever so soft nowadays. And it's almost gone too soft because they're not getting that, there's, there's this huge extension to get, which is also deeply calming to the system. And it brings everything really alive and really present um, when, you, when you get these full extensions going on. And I think we're, you know, you ask what these pulls are about. I mean, you've seen in these models, they really are bringing us into our tensegrity model where everything is toned. You know, Goldie would talk to me all the time about no switching off. You've always got to keep your tone. Um, everything's got to be working all the time. Everything's got to be working. And I, I mean, I was shocked when she first said, no, there's no switching off. But it's like she wanted me to keep this, this full tone going all the time. And it's the, it brings so much life. It's hard work to start with, but it brings so much life and springiness and strength into the system. So that's what Jando's pulls are teaching us to do for ourselves. And I think it's just so exciting. They're just, my, my pupils, when I started sharing it, they were, there was like such a buzz. They, you know, tell me more, tell me more. Right. And, uh, so it does have a role today, even with all the improvements in self-directing, for example. I think yeah. so. I think it's very, very exciting. And, and the other side of it, if I can talk about it, because that's one side, is actually finding the, the individual pulls. But it doesn't stop there. Delsart talked about um, the law of dynamic wealth, that just one direction is, is nothing. You know, if you, if you do a gesture based on one direction, because it was all about stage gestures after all. And if you just do one direction, you get rather a poor gesture. Whereas if you can send all these directions going, like again, like this, there's directions going in all sorts of directions, and then you get something that is dynamic and, and really moves and is alive. Um, so- Yeah, we should probably, I don't think we've explicitly mentioned it in this, this interview, but uh, it seems pretty clear that Alexander was influenced by uh, a man named Francois Delsart, yeah. 
yeah. via that man's younger brother who lived in Australia. Um, and indeed, Alexander held himself out as a teacher of the Delsart method early on, just yeah. to clarify the Delsart yeah, references. Yeah. yeah. So Delsart would talk about um, giving the, I don't think he used the word directions, but he would say about giving them as a chord, you know, where, where several go together. You, when, when you play a chord in music, you play three notes together. Right, right. And um, we've got that lovely phrase of Alexander's about directions, uh, all together one after another. And, but we tend still to think of it a bit piecemeal, don't we? You know, you free your neck, then you let your head go forward and up, then you let your back lengthen wide, and then you let your knees go forwards and away. Alexander rather writes about it as a progression. Mm -hmm. And if you're working with hands-on, you start by freeing somebody's neck and then you catch their back and you take their back back and up and then maybe you take hand to the leg and then you, then you realize they're starting to go down. So you have to come back here and then you have to come back here and your hands are flying all over the place, trying to keep it all going. Right. Well, what if you could get that pupil to be sending their back back in the right relationships of the torso and sending their knees away and sending their head up and to actually make those all happen together yeah. and then you would get the full expanded form in one hit right and right. that's what Goldie was doing in her lessons she would be working away with you very precisely not allowing you to to let go of any of the tone so she'd work on your shoulder and you had to hold the tone and then she'd work on your leg in relation to your back and you'd have to hold the tone and all the time she was guarding, no, no, you're dropping, keep, keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. So you're building up all these directions and then she'd move you and you just, you just yeah. fly. Right. Um, and that's what you're doing for yourself with the initial Alexander technique. And again, in Delsart's original system, you projected the directions to the reflection. Mm -hmm. You got, you, you know, you said, I, I send my pull to the elbow, but you didn't do it in your own elbow at the time. You just thought it and you saw it in the mirror. And mm -hmm. then you do the same for another bit. And then you do the same for another bit. And then you do the same for another bit. And it's amazing when you get it going, how many bits you can do all together. And then you, you count and you let them all happen together. And the whole body just comes extended and expanded. And what I do with my pupils at that point is I very often get them to bounce up and down mm. because if you're in a heavy, stiff space, you cannot bounce, you know, mm -hmm. you don't have that spring in your system to bounce. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love doing it with old ladies. I say, a bounce. And they look at me, you know, me bounce. I haven't bounced for 50 years. And I go, we'll have a go. And they can do it because it's brought the torso back into the relationship where for a start, they're not going to damage anything by bouncing. Mm -hmm. um, and it's brought back the spring, and suddenly there's a bounce. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's just beautiful to bring back that springiness into the system. But you're bringing them in this self one directing hit. And that's, that's again, it's a very powerful method. Um, so I, I'm really sold on it. And I think it's, I, I think it, I don't know why Alexander didn't bring that part of it forwards because he, he gives us this phrase altogether one after another, but he doesn't really explain it in the way that Jando's explained it. So mm -hmm. whether Jando's come up with something slightly different, whether he's come up with something Del Sartre really was doing and that Alexander maybe thought, well, maybe people can't do that. Maybe I'd better project it like this because I think it'll be easier. I don't know, who knows? 
Um, it's not quite how Alexander writes, but it blooming works. Um, and it fits with gold. It, again, it fits with what Miss Goldie was doing, you see. And that's right. why, I, and it works. And that's, you know, that's good enough for me. Um, so this might be a good place to end this conversation. Yeah. Um, my guest today has been um, Penelope Easton, an Alexander Technique teacher in County Clare, Ireland, and we'll put a link to her website. Uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Robert. Thank you.